Hey everybody, Steve Dinkle here. Before we start the new season of the Campbell Law Reporter, I want to let you know that Dean Leonard is going to be on the All Things Judicial podcast. This podcast is about the important role of the North Carolina judicial branch in state government. Dean Leonard will be discussing Campbell Law School's exhibit, honoring the contributions of trailblazing African-American judges in North Carolina. The exhibit, which Dean Leonard commissioned, is called The First African-Americans on the North Carolina Bench and features a timeline of the lives and achievements of each judge and justice from 1968 to 2006. For more information about this episode and all the other episodes on the All Things Judicial Podcast, search for it on all podcast platforms or go to nccourts.gov. Welcome to the Campbell Law Reporter Podcast. This legal podcast strives to expand Campbell University's mission to lead with purpose by reporting with purpose. We hope to breathe new life into the dusty reporters on the shelves by reporting the content through captivating discussions. Our mission is to provide current and interesting reporting on legal topics affecting today's professionals. Listeners can expect to hear from various hosts throughout the year. Uh, Well, good afternoon, good morning, and good night. Whatever time you're tuning in, we're glad you're here listening to the Campbell Law Reporter Podcast. My name is Lloyd Newman. I'll be your host for today's episode. And I think we've got something special in store for you today. We're going to be playing a little game, a little Jeopardy type game, where we're going to take commonly used legal phrases. And we're going to ask law students in their 1L, 2L, and 3L years, what do they mean? They've used these words multiple dozens, if not hundreds of times throughout their law school career. And let's see if they actually know what they're saying. To help us in making sure that we have the authoritative source for defining these words, we're going to be joined by Rachel Samuelson, and she will be giving us the definition as it is defined by Lexis. Rachel, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks, Lloyd, for that little intro. I'm happy to be here and happy to um, speak authoritatively via Lexis Nexus answers. So can you kind of give us a brief rundown of how you're going to so you and I are the only people that know the questions that I'm going to ask today, right? Because I didn't want anybody to have an unfair advantage. So how are you going to go about using Lexis to define these terms? Right. So last year, Lexis um, changed over to a new platform that's called Lexis Plus, and they added several new features. Um, and one of those is the answers feature. And so when you run a normal search on the the Lexis homepage, the first kind of hit that you'll get at the top of your results is um, the answers feature. And it basically defines whatever you're searching in a very short, uh, concise manner. So you know exactly what the definition that you're looking for. For example, you know, if you want to know what is reasonable apprehension and you just search that before you get your case law that speak to, um, you know, how the court has defined that or, you know, whatever the binding case are, you're going to get just a flat out reasonable apprehension is. Um, So it's a nice, nice feature. Yeah, that seems super helpful. So instead of having to, uh, you know, kind of construct your own definition from the case law, Lexis has kind of already done that for you. Right. And just uh, from my understanding is the proper vernacular Lexis or Lexis plus now that they've, uh, they've upgraded. Yeah. So Lexis plus is the I guess the trademarked name of it now, but I think calling it Lexus is also accurate, but we're no longer Lexus Nexus, which is what our former um, kind of branding was. Okay, awesome. Well, Lexus is on the glow up. So let's put it to the test, huh? Right, let's do it. All right, today I'm also gonna be joined by Tyquise Brown. How are you doing, Tyquise? Hey, 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 hello everyone in podcast land. I'm doing well, Lord, how are you? I'm fantastic, man. Glad you're here. I'm also joined by Stephen Dinkle. Stephen, how you doing, buddy? Doing well. Happy to be here. This will be fun. Yeah, man. Hey, and I'm also joined by Andrew Cohn. Andrew, how you doing this morning? What's going on, Lloyd? And last but certainly not least, Jenna Nichols. How you doing? Oh, I'm a little nervous. A little you nervous? Know, Why is that? I have my feet to the fire. Hey, well, it's all fun here. Listen, in complete transparency... I didn't know what any of these words meant, and that's why they're on the list. So I am not an authoritative source. Rachel via Lexis is the only one that is. So without any further ado, let me explain the rules of the game. Fun is the objective, but 
we are going to have it broken down into three categories. The first category is going to be the known words. These are going to be words that you use colloquially every day in school. And you'll know what I'm saying, but I think you'll struggle to define it. The next category is going to be the unknown words. These are going to be where a little Latin starts to pop into the mix. And then all of a sudden, uh, maybe you've familiarized yourself with the Latin phrase, but maybe a little bit less with what it actually means. And then the final category is going to be the unknown unknowns. These are going to be words that are very prevalent in the legal profession. You know their effect on the law. However, maybe you're a little less familiar with what the actual word is. So I'm going to go down the row as it appears on the screen and ask you whether you want a known, a unknown, or a unknown unknown. After we kick the idea around back and forth, you guys try to come up with a definition. We will compare our definition that we have collectively uh, given to that of Lexis Answers. So without any further ado, Tyquise, you raised your hand so you go first. What would you choose? A known, an unknown, or a unknown unknown? We're, we're gonna go heavy. Let's go, um, let's knock it out of the part with unknown unknown. All right, Tyquise, question is, what is comedy? Not comedy, I'm not talking about Dave Chappelle. I am talking about C-O-M-I-T-Y. I-T-Y. I've seen the word. <laughs> seen the word, okay, so um, not an unknown unknown to you. Right. I, I've seen the word comedy. Uh, am I allowed to, um, if you could use it in a sentence, is that, is that against the rules or how does this work? I believe if I was to use it into sentence, it would uh, be very, 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 very helpful towards uh, finding the definition. Okay. Um... The principle, how about this? The principle of comedy is utilized by all of Western society, all legal traditions in Western society. Anybody else gonna help him out? That clue helped him zero. <laughs> I used it in a sentence, right? It was used in a sentence. Um, Think of legal writing. Like is your uh, LRW teacher should have gone over um, looking at how other jurisdictions look to other uh, legal authorities that are outside of their jurisdiction. Wait a minute, did you Google that? Oh man, we have to, wow. we have to establish at the start a no Google rule. Jenna! <laughs> hey, I miss no Google. <laughs> Jenna, the instant cut. <laughs> So <laughs> there's no way. <laughs> like wow, like Jenna's pulling out where we should have learned it, what semester, right. probably the professor <laughs> says it the most. So wait, can uh Jenna, can you read that again? I'd be interested in comparing your answer to Lexus's because what I've understood is some of the worst researching, like some of the, the, the quickest way to get to the wrong answer is to go on Google and click on some law firm's website and they give half-baked information. Mm -hmm. And the next thing you know, you are racing down the wrong rabbit hole. Is that right, Rachel? Sounds right to me. I mean, I think, yeah. So Jenna, let us know what you found and then I will share this Lexus answer. Okay, so Google says um, it refers to courts of one state or jurisdiction respecting the laws and judicial decisions of another jurisdiction. But All there's right. no obligation uh, for deference. I have, a, I have a comment. Is that not com law? Com law? Like the comedy clause, right? That's a good question. I do not. I remember, remember. I remember it in con law. I don't remember what it meant, but I remember <laughs> like the comedy clause. Yeah, that sounds right, honestly, but I don't know. Okay, never mind. I digress. <laughs> But that doesn't mean it's not true. That just means I'm not really good at con law. No, um, I definitely remember that. That's where I saw the word too, Tyquise, but I thought it meant like equity or something. I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, I guess most recently I've seen it in secured transactions like comedy contracts, but 
don't know. Okay. So Alexis answers the top hit. So it gives you multiple usually, but the one at the top is, I guess the one that's most often cited to. Um, so it, this is the answer. Comedy implies reciprocity, whether an action, which is based in comedy is that of the judicial or the administrative or the legislative agency, that action is taken either as an actual reciprocation for similar action previously taken by the other state or in the expectation that the other state will similarly reciprocate. Comedy means that a state will do by courtesy what it would do under like circumstances with the citizen of its state. So I think that's pretty similar. I think that's just more wordy, but- um, well, It sounds like a really good like uh, general rule statement, right? So if I'm yeah. doing a legal memo or something and I'm trying to like, you know, I've got a, a very narrow issue, you know, somebody got arrested in South Carolina, I'm prosecuting them in North Carolina, and I need to write this legal memo, that Lexus answer seems to give me the perfect general rule statement. Is that kind of the, the intent? Yeah, I think so. Um, some of these are defined using restatements and things like that, but most often it's, I, it's based on a court case, like a court defining it. Um, and I think it's what's most often cited too, is like what you're gonna get is your top answer. So, and then another one of the top answers is comedy is a common law rule by which courts in the United States give deference to foreign judgments. Awesome. Well, let's move on. Andrew, you're up next on the hit list. What are you going to go with? A known, an unknown, or an unknown, unknown? I'm tempted to do another unknown, unknown, but I, I want to step it up just a little bit and do an unknown and we'll see oh. what, that, what that looks like. And I realize uh, I might be dating myself with this uh, statement, but I realize I never defined unknown, unknown and where the term came from. And many of the members uh, in this panel probably are not old enough to remember a fellow by the name of Donald Rumsfeld that said it. And um, it was kind of widely panned at the time as what exactly that term meant. And so basically he was referring to the Iraq war and I'm using it uh, kind of offhand, but an unknown term. Okay. In forma pauperis. Are you sure that's not an unknown unknown? <laughs> hmm. Well, so an unknown is a word that I don't think that you've seen before, True. but I think you maybe not even have seen its effects. In forma, and then what was the last? Pauperis? Pauperis. I don't know if my Latin pronunciation is the most crisp. Can I phone a friend? Yeah, absolutely. Please, you don't even have to ask. Everyone else, join me in the fire. What, what does this <laughs> yeah. word mean? I don't think you can here, phone so me. You can't, you can't phone the Lexus expert. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> or uh, Jenna can't, you know, phone Google. Hey, Google has gotten me through law school. Okay. <laughs> oh, no, Jenna. Sorry, I don't understand. Oh, my Google's trying to talk oh. to me. No, hey, was that Google or was that Siri didn't understand right there? We've now, we've now got a special guest, Alexa. Alexa, how are you doing today? <laughs> All right, Stephen, what do you think? Informa pauperis. Yeah, I, I am. Uh, uh, pauperis sounds like paper to me, so I have no idea. Okay. I'll give you a hint. Think instead of paper, pauper. Like the old, like medieval kind of the prince and the pauper. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have no idea. I I'm still, I'm still blank. So this is, uh, embarrassing, but yet hilarious. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. So Rachel, we're, uh, I, I, I guess, uh, don't even have a, a collective <laughs> definition. Yes. To give you. What do you got for us? All right. So this one's pretty short Informa pauperis refers to the filing status as a pauper or indigent who is permitted to disregard filing fees and court costs. Nice. That's a, that seems like a very uh, uh, generous rule. Yeah. It's Pretty, e very ethical. Yeah. So now the next thing we got to do is go down to some, you know, administrative body that has fees and start chucking around that, that term. Mm -hmm. What happens? Yeah. Yeah. I just got hit for about a $300, you know, uh, fee from the DMV. So I think I'm going to go back and be like, actually, if you're familiar with the Latin phrase in form of <laughs> It is a deeply ingrained legal principle in our jurisprudence. Mm -hmm. uh, I wonder how far that'll get me, I think. Sir, you need to leave. <laughs> Sir, this is Denny's. 
So, Stephen. Since we're moving up the chain, let's do a known because what it's going to have, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to foreshadow this. I should know this, but I'm not going to know it. So bring on the pain, sir. All right. Stephen, I'm going to give you the most known and used phrase in my entire list. Oh, gosh. Can you define the term a right? A right. Wow. You have a right to answer this question. I do have a right to answer this question. And sometimes, depend, well, depending on your power in this uh, game show, I should have the right to remain silent as well. Um, a right, let's see. I would define a right as a universal ability. Like it's a, it's a right. You have uh, ability to do without repercussion types. Sorry, or not, not repercussion without, uh, it shouldn't be impeded upon. And it's not something that is granted or taken away. It just simply exists. Anybody have anything else to contribute to that, huh? I mean, cause, oh, go ahead, Andrew. Yeah, I would say like absolute authority um, when asserted. I know that's probably, it's not even close, but that's what I think of. It's something that if it is a right, it is an absolute that you can assert. Well, I don't know. I mean, the Beastie Boys told me that, you know, I've got the right to party, but, you yes. know, I, yep. uh, my parents didn't always agree with that. They seemed to step all over my rights when I was a kid. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering how absolute a right is, but uh, anybody else? Anybody got any uh, stabs? And then, uh, Stephen, I'll let you kind of, you know, uh, collect the, you know, feedback you get and give it to Jenna or to Rachel, excuse me. Anybody else? No. All right. So, uh, Stephen, what was your one more time? Your definition? Yeah, I would. I would. I'm going to pick apart uh, Andrews too. You know, um, and take out what he said. You know, an absolute, like a universal right that you can exert that shouldn't be impeded upon. Rachel, right. give us the news. Okay, so you guys are not wrong to feel. Um, I guess to like struggle with with defining it because it seems like that's that's also common among all of these courts that I'm reading. Um, but this seems pretty concise. So a right is something to which one has a just claim or something that justly accrues or falls to one, something that one may properly claim one's due. The plain meaning of right invokes the legal authority one must possess in order to assert a proper claim. So, and then another, like the case right below it from, um, it's a United States district court case. They say they even admit a major source of ambiguity in the law is the, is the word right. So I think that's interesting, but yeah. No, hundred percent. I mean, I think that's what, like, I, I think with whatever small amount of wisdom I've gained over the last three years of law school, I think that I've found that the name of the game of law school is trying to argue over what words mean. Like if you really were to break it down to the like brass tacks level, like the day one, one L, you know, mm -hmm. example of, you know, you walk into a park and the park says no vehicles. And then all of a sudden somebody comes in with a skateboard person gets a ticket. Is that person, you know, you're the defense lawyer. You're trying to say that a skateboard isn't a vehicle. And so, I, I think that was the nugget that kind of, you know, spawned this idea, but I also think it's kind of the, you know, what we've been doing for the last, you know, one, two or three years, you know? Mm -hmm. All right. So Jenna, you're up, you're up next. What do you want? A known, an unknown or an unknown unknown? Let's go with the unknown unknown. All right. An unknown unknown. How about, Meets and bounds. Meets, I don't know that I'm saying it correctly, is M-E-T-T-E-S. And you have now exhausted the unknown, unknown category. So you can no longer wander into the abyss, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, I'm going to be honest. I have no idea, but for the sake of everyone, I'm just going to guess that maybe it's like, the boundaries of where you're supposed to push something. I think boundaries is pretty good. Steven, you want to help out? Yeah. I just have like a, like a vague memory of like it, 
it kind of like, it's almost seems like, like a figure of speech that I've heard before. Um, you know, but I, I was kind of thinking along the same lines as Jenna. So I think she's, uh, um, on the, on the mark here. Okay. Tyquise, what are you thinking? You thinking that you hope I don't call any? Pretty much. Yes. <laughs> I had this down. Ah, don't call on me, but, um, yes, I, uh, I will co-sign with everything that everyone else has said before me. I think it's, uh, essentially the concept of having some sort of scope or some sort of boundary and like just creating like a demarcation of like, you know, you cannot see this, that, or the other. All right. Rachel, how'd they do? Okay. So <clears throat> there is not a Alexis answer for this one, but there is a lot of case law, old case law that cites to it. And based on what I'm reading, it seems to be the outermost um, boundaries of, of a real estate parcel is what it seems to be. So that's all I've gotten. There you go. So while I you're... get 10 points, I know <laughs> we don't have real points, but so close. 10 Good points job. to the Hufflepuff, or do you consider yourself more of a Gryffindor? Um, I was going to go more for a Slytherin. Tomorrow. Yeah, I was going to say Jenna's. I agree. Team with Slytherin. That, especially with that. Yes, especially. Yeah, Jenna's, Jenna's really throwing herself out there with the Google answers and everything. She's not afraid <laughs> to do what she needs to do to win. <laughs> She's so nice and innocent. What do you mean? Jenna, you're a little bit of all of them. Oh, you you are the, wasn't that like a spoiler alert? Well, you know, Harry Potter's been out for like 20 years now. So if you haven't watched it, that's on you. Like, isn't that what a Harry Potter is? Like the combination of all of them? Or am I just inventing that? Yeah, no, well, yeah. That, well, that was what they kind of, I feel like in the last movie said that. Yeah. Pat was confused about what to put him in. And so they let him choose like what house he wanted to go into. Hmm. Yeah. There you go. Hey, you know, you, you come for the law, you stay for the Harry Potter trivia. All That's right, Tyquise, you're back on the hit list. You can choose between a known or an unknown. Let's go with unknown, Lloyd. Unknown. Tyquise, can you define the term malfeasance? Malfeasance. I've usually heard this term uh, in regards to torts. Okay. It's usually like when a public official uh, doesn't do his job, like he doesn't adhere to like the, the custom or he's like negligent or like he or she, my apologies, he or she, that person um, does not perform to the duties that suspected of uh, that person within that job. Okay, Andrew, do you co-sign that or do you, you disagree? I'm not sure. I, my thought was bad act, like more broadly, but that falls in line with what Tyquise said, because I, I mean, I would consider that a bad act anyways. So I, I, I think I partially co-sign, but I, I don't, this is probably just me not reading well enough that I can't really say. <laughs> See, this is like in the off chance that, you know, Professor Lukasik listens to this episode or whomever, I wonder what their like takeaway is going to be from like, you know, the fact that so many of their students are like, uh, what is that? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Interesting. I, um, so Rachel, I want to ask you this before I'm assuming you've got the answer already in front of you right now. Mm -hmm. Yes. Like what was your level of surprise when you found the definition? Like, were you like, it's that was exactly what I was expecting or were you more like, uh, didn't see that coming. I was, I think more along the lines of, I don't know, it might've been Andrew. Like I thought it was more broad, but what I'm reading, it, it's a little bit more, it's a little more narrow, a little more. Um, yeah. It applies to a more narrow range of, of acts, I think, than I was expecting. Yeah. I think that was my takeaway as well. So go ahead and, uh, you know, give us the big reveal. All right. So malfeasance is defined as a wrongful or unlawful act, especially a wrongdoing or misconduct by a public official. It is different from negligence or misfeasance in properly doing what one has a legal right to do or nonfeasance, the failure to do what one should do. Um, so it seems like here, it's like you have a duty and then you go awry of that, you know, for example, a public official doing something wrong. Yeah, I, I think that was the thing, because I think a lot of these terms um, have a colloquial usage, right? Like I'll say, you know, due to Tyquise's, you know, malfeasance, you know, this this podcast is 
going off the rails. And then all of a sudden, you know, you, you then have to like switch to your legal brain and the legal definition is not, uh, you know, always, you know, the same as the, you know, kind of common usage. Right. Like it's not, it's not interchangeable with bad act or wrongdoing necessarily. It's more narrow than that. Right. All right. So Tyquis just got his. Andrew, you're up. What do you want? Do you want a known or an unknown? Let's do another unknown. Unknown. All right. I think this is going to be the last of the unknowns. What is an Alfred plea? An Alfred plea. Sounds like con law. Am I right on that? Hmm. So it's been a while since I've looked up these definitions, but I don't think it's con law. I think think more civ pro or crim pro. Just crim law. Just crim law. I would say. Oh, Professor Guillado is going to get me. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> This, we're going to have to put like a, uh, you know, a warning label on the beginning of this. I mean, like, uh, you know, the people in this recording cannot be held accountable by their law professors for, <laughs> for the answers they provide. <laughs> so an Alfred plea, I'm supposing that that is a plea to some sort of crime. And I'm guessing the individual's name was Alfred. So as to the content of what that plea would be, I cannot say. What was Alfred guilty of? Huh? <laughs> what was Alfred guilty of? We'll see. So we know who done it. We just didn't know what he did. <laughs> what was his malfeasance? <laughs> All right, Rachel, help us out. Okay. So an Alfred plea is a conditional guilty plea, which allows the defendant to maintain his or her innocence outright, but nonetheless accept a conviction and sentence for the crime. I learned about this actually. I just took plea bargaining with Professor Herman. If you're interested in doing criminal law, you should take it. But um, for bonus points, does anyone know where the original case came from that birthed the mechanism Alfred plea? Ooh, I'm trying to think of all the Alfreds I've ever heard of. And the only one I can think of is Hitchcock. So. Okay. It's not, it's, yeah, no, it's not, it's not him. It's from North Carolina. It's a North Carolina case, but it went all the way up to the Supreme Court, United States Supreme Court. Um, and so now it's a commonly used mechanism in plea bargaining. It's kind of like a prayer for judgment if uh, continued, if you guys, it's, it's not the same thing, but it's similar to that. If you guys have ever worked in district court or public defender's office or anything. Well, hey, I mean, North Carolina really, uh, you know, setting the legal landscape here, you know, trailblazers. Yeah, that's what we are. <laughs> we we got to change the motto. We're no longer the Tar Heel State. We don't support tobacco. We support trailblazing. We're actually like not a tra trailblazing state at all. We're like, I feel like we still have a lot of work to do with our, a lot of our laws, but that one's kind of cool. That's a cool one. Well, hey, I mean, you know, BJB would be very, uh, you know, quick to point out that we are the trailblazers in legal ethics. So BJB is, yes, that is correct. How we could trailblaze in legal ethics, but not our laws is a question for another episode. However, right. the better question is Jenna, what would you like? You only get to choose between knowns. So this is a rhetorical question. Jenna, what does the CF mean in legal citations? Ooh, the CF, like, I feel like it's like C footnotes or something like that, but I feel like it could be Latin. Um, so I really feel like, though, it's C footnotes because the, you know, C totally wrong. <laughs> well, I'm thinking so that would work, I think, if the word C was spelled C E E, but I think because it's S E E. I think, uh, you know, I'd go in a different direction, but I see where your thought process is. Tyquees, your thoughts? I want to say it's C, 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 F. Uh, compare. <laughs> I want to say, like, like, you're comparing, like, like different cases. Right. C, F, compare. Compare. There you go. I saw Rachel light up on that one. Rachel, how do you do? Good job. 10 points. Um, yeah, so I actually went to my blue book for this one just because, I wasn't getting a direct answer from Lexus. So I went to my okay. online blue book. 
Um, so now we're repping blue book, I guess for a second, but, um, so it says cited authorities supports a proposition different from the main proposition, but sufficiently analogous to lend support quite literally CF means compare the citations relevance will usually be clear to the reader only if it is explained parenthetical explanations, however, brief are strongly recommended. There you go. And so I have to say, uh, to, to, to defend Jenna, her thought was my thought because a lot of times like that, I think the parenthetical, thank you. The parenthetical comes, I think a lot of times in footnotes, if not like in the, you know, parenthetical following the citation. And so, yeah, I, my original thought was Jenna's thought. And so then it was just funny. That was the only reason I knew, cause I was thinking, you know, see footnotes was, Anyway, that was how I figured that yeah. out. I mean, some of those blue book things, I respect them and I'm glad that I had learned them, I guess, but it is like, sometimes it makes no sense in your head. It makes no sense. Well, that makes one of us that's learned the blue book. I have no idea still what I'm doing. I have to get so much help <laughs> in blue book. That's okay. And the online my- blue book is helpful. Oh, tremendously helpful. Um, so we just hit Taquis. Andrew, what you got for me? Well, you don't have any options anymore. So again, that question is rhetorical. Oh, this is my favorite question. You get my favorite one. Andrew, what is the law? Oh, that's a good one. I get a little wood on the ball every now and then. (laughs) The law. I would say that it is a combination of a codification and our cultural understanding of what you should and should not do that's part of it but there's also laws that are more just regulatory in how you do things so there may not always be a moral aspect to it although i think that there is with a lot of it but there's also just a technicalities behind things as well so who whose morals constitute the law my morals, your morals, collective morals, Tyquise's um, morals. I like to think of it as pure pressure from the dead, thinking of common law. There you go. All right. Rachel, you got something for us? Mm-hmm. Um, so this is just one sentence that I'm seeing that I think is good. So uh, the law is a rule of civil conduct prescribed by the lawmaking power of the state commanding what is right and or prohibiting what is wrong. So I think it's a very broad general, I think you're, is, you're right, Andrew. That is so much more simple than the way that I put it. <laughs> I love it. I think there's a lot of facets to it though. I don't think that that's just the only way you can describe it, but. You know, it's, it's really funny you say that because I think that was one of my, another like takeaway from, you know, three years of law school is that like an undergrad you know, the idea of writing a, you know, a 10 page paper was daunting because I didn't know how I would find 10 pages worth of things to say. Now it's like, I can think of 30 pages of things to say, but now getting that down to 10 pages is mm-hmm. daunting, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that it, it's funny how that perception has shifted through time for me. Have y'all had that same experience? Absolutely. I remember I used to sweat over those 10, 15 page papers in undergrad. And now if that's the limit, I'm like, what am I, where is everything else going to go? You know, (laughs) like I'm having to take stuff and cut it out and like, well, what happened? Yeah. Yeah, And in law school, I feel like it's not how much you say, it's what you're saying. So you can't just fill up pages and pages and turn it in, you know, like you have to actually substantively, it needs to make sense, which I think can be very difficult, especially like what you're saying, would you have all of this authority, very broad, and you have to find your, yeah, the thing you're going to write about. Yeah, I agree. And then especially for me, like, I'm such a very worthy person. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, oh, my goodness, like, I have to, like, because I I talk a lot, and usually it can be summarized with just one word. So that's my difficulty with this. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Yeah, I think, and, you know, I, I think kind of the, you know, going back to the overarching principle of this like game is it's like, it doesn't, you know, 
a lot of the terms that we use every day are so broad that it doesn't really help, right? Like your client doesn't care what, you know, the, you know, principle of law at play is. They want to know if they can take their skateboard into the park or not. And so you're trying to say like, whoa, I just read 30, 40 cases about this or whatever. And I, you know, I don't know, you know? And so, yeah, I think getting to the minute point is very, very, very difficult. All right. So who just went? Andrew. So then that means Jenna, you're up. Since we're talking about legal principles, Jenna, can you define for me what a legal principle is? Oh, gosh. Uh, <laughs> that is one of those terms that you just feel like you know, but then when someone puts your feet to the fire, you're like, oh, wow, uh, this is this is a hard one. Um, right. So I would say, uh, man, I want to use principle in the definition, which means that's not the proper definition. It's like the guidepost. That's like the best definition I can come up with is guidepost. All right, now here is a bonus points question for Jenna or anybody that knows the answer. What is the difference between a principle spelled P-L-E with the ending and principle with P-A-L as the ending? Uh, one is uh, over my brother's high school. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> I honestly have no idea the, the answer to that question. So it was funny. I was like, you know, like taking my notes or whatever for this. And because, you know, I, I knew I was going to have to send a list to Rachel so she could, you know, get them. And I had so much like, wait, is it L-E or, or you know, A-L? And I was like, wait, how do you know, decide between that? So anyway, that was another question I had. Andrew, what do you, what do you think of Jenna's definition? A guidepost. I really like that. It's very succinct and it just feels very descriptive of what it is. Yeah. So it's a legal guidepost. Tyquees, you're nodding along. You, you co-sign with everything? Yes, I co-sign. I do. I mean, I, I think, Rachel, you got something for me? Yeah, I'm not getting a clear answer on this one, but I will say I'm seeing a little bit of repetition on them saying clearly uh, or governing legal principles is defined to include tenants. Same thing as gu guideposts, I would say same thing that are well-defined, explicit, and clearly applicable. I, I think, I think Jenna was 100% correct. I think it's like unwavering um, tenants of law that we use and kind of base everything else on. So uh, uh, an example would be equity. Like we want you know, equitable treatment between persons. So that would be a legal principle that we apply, right? Is that, am I? I would say, yeah, I think that sounds right. I'm trying to think of another example. I think that they can change. Like, I think a good example is constitutional law. Obviously there was hundred years ago, there were certain legal principles that were believed in, and now we've changed those, you know? So we are some of them, most of them, so. Yeah, we, we have expanded the definition of who deserves equity, I think, on a lot of that. Right. Yeah. I mean, that would be interesting, though, right? So it's like, is it that we've changed the legal principle or changed who that principle applied to? You know, I don't I don't have an answer for that. I'm just curious because it's like, I think white men for since the dawn of, you know, white men have wanted to be treated equally. But then it's like, oh, maybe we should let women vote and be treated equally, too. Or maybe we should let, you know, people of color, you know, be treated equally as well. And I think that's where the, the tension is, right, is the expansion of who gets that equity. That's a very interesting point, Lloyd. Yeah. I just ask questions. I don't know any answers. Yeah, me neither. But that's, a, that's thoughtful. I don't know. But um, I did. So who, who's next? Tyquees? Yeah, I think so. I am uh, going to force your hand on this one because I want to compare and contrast the previous answer with this question. What is a legal doctrine? <laughs> and can I say in researching for this, I, I have a new favorite legal doctrine and it's the tipsy coachman. Bonus points if you can tell me what that is for. 
I want to, I mean, based off that um, tidbit that you just revealed, I want to say a legal doctrine is like a, a more of a, a legal framework and how to operate. It's telling you how, like, uh, like certain elements of a certain particular law or crime or not really a crime, but a, a legal thing. <laughs> um, so it's like a, a, a framework to, to go by, like a legal principle or doctrine. So it's a legal principle. So you're saying a legal principle or doctrine. So you're saying principle and doctrine are kind of interchangeable. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe legal principle might be like an abstract philosophical, what have you. But I want to say like legal doctrine is like taking that abstract idea and they work in like tandem. So mm -hmm. I, I want to say that it's like the, like the Constitution. It's like taking those like the legal principle and then putting that legal principle to a legal doctrine on page. I want to say they are, you know, they're inextricably intertwined in that regard. So let me make sure I'm understanding correctly. So you're saying a legal principle would be equity, right? And a legal doctrine would be how equity is applied uh, in the equitable division of assets between people that get divorced. There is a doctrine that governs the equitable division of assets between divorced parties. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, Andrew, do you co-sign that or no? Absolutely. It's, it sounds exactly like what I was thinking. I think he got it right on the money. Tyquise hit a home run. Jenna, do you, do you agree or no? Um, I agree. All right. Rachel, do you agree or no? <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I agree. I will say these are very, I think, broad for in terms of just Lexus because Lexus provides us with, you know, case law. But I will say I agree with whatever statement, I think Lloyd might've said it, summing up a principle is like equity. And then the doctrine is the framework. I think Taiqui said it was the framework. So I think that's right. So anyway, here it says the subtle yet elementary precept of the common law is that the law is in the holding, i.e. in the application of the doctrine. So that. I th and then it said, and then those, the application of the doctrine is applied to the facts of the case, and then it creates precedent. So I think that's the right thing. We have these doctrines, we have the case in front of us, and that's the framework that the court uses, unless they decide to change the framework or change the doctrine. But I think the legal doctrine is, yeah, I think that's right. It's the analysis or the breakdown that they use. Okay, so I... Um... I actually have a question that I'm gonna ask to Rachel and then mm -hmm. that's gonna be set up for whoever wants, this is our last question. Okay. Um, who, whoever wants to answer it, just chime in. But my question as somebody that is currently in a jurisprudence course, does Lexis Plus have um, resources to, or like a specific set of resources for like kind of more the philosophical side of things as opposed to you know the more concrete like Lexus is known for you know giving you the case law on this or the legal rule for that what about like the more philosophical abstract stuff that you would have to go to you know more you know Kant and stuff like that absolutely um the cases is obviously the most important thing in terms of building your, you know, your case to make sure that the law you're using is, um, is the most up-to-date and hasn't, is still, is still good law. But, um, when you do your search on the left side of your, of your screen, you're going to see, um, plenty of other options. You can look at statutes and legislation. You can look at practical guidance, which sometimes will have, you know, forms that you can use for, um, you know, like just your basic contracts, for example. And then you're also going to have secondary materials, which has just as many hits, at least when I was searching, um, what is a legal doctrine, the secondary materials has over 10,000 hits that you can get. So that's going to be your, um, 
your law review articles. That's going to be your, you know, your just like your basic research that gets published. Um, so if that's, that's what you're asking. I might not be answering your question correctly, but um, there's a lot of various resources, a lot of depth to, to Lexis, which I find really nice because, you know, sometimes when you're writing a paper, you want to read about, um, you know, what someone else has thought about it in a law review article or, or whatever. So yeah, they have all of that on there for you. No, I think that's a hundred percent true. I just, I found it interesting in a jurisprudence class that you don't actually talk about like the law, you know, you don't cite to a case as much as you cite to, you know, Immanuel Kant's, you know, initial idea of da 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 or St. Augustine's initial philosophical concept on this. Right. I, I haven't really, you know, done a lot of research on this via Lexus. I feel like we need to start turning Lexus into a verb. Like, so instead of I Googled it, I Lexus it. Lexus it. I agree. That's great, Lloyd. I think that's uh, the next step in branding. <laughs> But yeah, like if I'm going to Lexus, uh, uh, a more philosophical thing, I was curious as to if there was anything there. So anybody got a, a answer for what jurisprudence is? Andrew, you going to take a stab at it? Jurisprudence. See, for me, I'm thinking about the development of legal thought, I suppose. Okay. I feel, I feel like that speaks very broadly to it, but that would be my, my stab. Hey, well, to be fair, this is a very broad word, so it applies to a lot, a lot, a lot of people. Tyquise, anything? Uh, yeah, very broad, um, like Andrew said, but in yourself, I want to like I want to say it's more so like a combination of like different philosoph philosophical principles as they intersect with the law. So understanding who gets what, you know, who benefits. And um, just the concept of like how to govern a society based on certain um, philosophical principles that an entity that has power um, can manifest. How did, uh, how did it do, Rachel? Yeah, I think that's right. I agree that <clears throat> this is very broad. What I'm getting is, um, let's see, under the civil... Under the civilian tradition, while a single decision is not binding on our courts, when a series of decisions form a constant stream of uniform and homogenous, I think, I don't know how to say that word, oops, rulings have the same reasoning, jurisprudence applies and operates with considerable persuasive authority. So I think it's jurisprudence is built, it seems like it, it's constantly moving, it's constantly building on itself. Um, and I think it kind of permeates all of what we do. Yeah. Like the rule of law. I think it's interesting that we have to take a jurisprudence course. And yet, you know, for people that have been in, you know, five people that have been in law school for a collective number of years, we're all like, wait, what is it again? <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Um, yeah. Anyway, any, uh, any final thoughts, any final, uh, any final insights? Like, did everybody enjoy the game? Yes, and I think we are all winners. Oh, I agree. No, I got the most points. Just saying, I feel like we are all winners. No, I think this was uh, this was amazing. This was fun. I really like this. Uh, I don't view it as like a oh winners type thing, but congratulations, Jenna. <laughs> <laughs> I view this as a very like um, uh, andragogical approach. Like we are in this. Like we are all you know law students. We are all in this shared space to learn. It's called Campbell University. What does that mean? Universe. University means uh, having a universe uh, perspective or there's an influx of different types of ideas. So I'm just grateful just to be a part of this, you know, this panel or this, uh, this synergy just to learn like new words or words I thought I knew that I did not know or have any type of um, conceptualization of. So I'm just happy just to learn words, new words, and uh, I just have to refine the words I thought I knew. But thank you for this opportunity. Yeah, I'm definitely going to echo what's been said so far. I mean, just taking these words that we use in our everyday language now. I mean, we would have never imagined talking about jurisprudence several years ago. But now, like I, I hear those words almost on a daily basis. And as it turns out, we don't know these words quite as well as we you know, thought that we did. 
but also just um, seeing what we did know and how we can form these ideas of, and, you know, come to these conclusions together. Like it's, it was just a lot of fun. It was, this was a really good experience. Last word goes to Rachel. Rachel. Yes. Thanks for having me guys. I really appreciate it. And I, I agree wholeheartedly. I think this was really fun. I, um, I didn't exactly know what I was, it was what I was getting into, but I thought that was really fun. I also think the concept of using words every day and not really knowing what they mean is something that bleeds into just our society in general. I think with our social media culture and everything, I think a lot of people say things, there's a lot of false information out there. Um, and so I just think it, this kind of is a good reminder of making sure you do your research before you say things. And I think it's just, it's helpful all around, makes you a better lawyer, makes you a better person, et cetera. So thanks guys. Oh, we need um, to get that. We need to make that like the intro to the episode, less speech, more humility. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that is awesome. Uh, Rachel, would you like to make a plug for Lexus? Yeah, sure. I mean, Lexus is great. Um, like Lloyd said, I think his question is, is funny just asking like all the different resources. I think a lot of people don't know the depth of Lexus. There's a lot of opportunities, a lot of, um, really good resources on there. So, and obviously if students listen, that listen to this, want to reach out to me, um, I'm happy to answer questions and help. So, yeah. And Rachel, where can I find you at? You can find me. Well, our, the Lexus law school homepage, um, is, in your Lexus portal on the top, top right screen, you can click Lexus law school. My email and everything is on there, but also we will be in the comments on Thursdays during lunchtime, um, giving our table tips and giving out some, some treats and stuff. So. Awesome. Well, I would like to, uh, you know, thank everybody for joining me. I hope this was fun. I hope everybody had a good time. And with that said, thank you for listening to the Campbell Law Reporter podcast and have a great rest of your day. This is the Campbell Law Reporter. Thank you for listening to the Campbell Law Reporter podcast. We look forward to you joining us every other Wednesday at 7 a.m. for a new episode, which can be accessed through your preferred podcasting listening platform. This is the Campbell Law Reporter.